cliffcentral.com. Mondays mean that we get to spend some time with uh, Dr. Hanan Bushkin. And this morning is no different. We're going to speak to him today. It is, um, and we've decided to give this a name. Uh, it's going to be okay because people need to know that uh, this is, this is a, as I said earlier, a bump in the road and we'll survive. Humanity's been through much tougher stuff than this. How are you doing this morning, though? We will check on your mental health and well-being by speaking to Dr. Hanan Bushkin, who is a renowned psychologist and the head of the Anxiety and Trauma Clinic in Johannesburg. Dr. Hanan, how are you? Doing great. How are you guys? Good. We get so much good feedback when you're on. I think people people like the idea that on a Monday morning we all get to come and uh, and lie down on your on your couch in your office and and, <laughs> and have our mental health free therapy. Yeah, it's like free a, therapy. Right. It's like a dipstick test for all of us to check that we're okay. So there's there's so much cool stuff going on. Can I just go straight to an email and and we address this because I think this is something which you could probably help us out with. Um, it's from anonymous. Hi, Gareth. Thank you for bringing this awesome new segment to the show. After listening to Dr. Hanan this past Monday, I reevaluated my own personal journey, and I feel far more positive about everything. I do, however, have a question. As I know, we're all going through our own personal stuff on a day-to-day basis. I've noticed some very self-destructive behavior in a close family member. What should one do if you notice signs of a major eating disorder in a close friend or family member? I've had the personal discussion with this person regarding their behavior, and I've tried to find out, and apparently they say it's been going on for years. They mentioned they've wanted help, but they have no idea where to go from here. I don't want to end up pushing this person away by sending a list of therapists um, or trying to hold them to account. Thank you again for the segment. I love the show and listen religiously. Please tell uh, Dr. Hanan I'd love his opinion on this, and I would like to remain anonymous. So, all right, where do we begin with this? So let's just start like with the general idea of what do you do when someone is struggling with something? Well, create an environment and an approach that's kind to them where they can actually feel comfortable and they do feel comfortable opening up. Being vulnerable is so difficult, um, especially when you have to reveal something emotional that's considered as weakness within you. Nobody wants to open up to somebody that doesn't feel safe. So create an environment and an approach that's kind, that makes the other person feel uh, safe approaching you, opening up to you. But I also want to say, and we'll get to the eating disorder part in a second, that most of the times just by making the other person feel that you're a safe place to fall, you're a safety net, they will probably come to you and approach you. you just got to pick up on the signs. Sometimes it's um, not as... Uh, as in your face as, hey, I have an issue. Can we talk about it? Sometimes it's very subtle. Mm. Sometimes it's like, hey, I'm struggling with, uh, geez, my boss is such an asshole. Mm. Or my colleagues are, uh, you know, trying to take over, take advantage. Or my wife, sure, she's being difficult. Or whatever it is, they will open up in subtle ways and you've got to pick up on those subtle signs. And uh, the moment you do, just create, as I said, an environment that's soft. But having said all of that, just remember that if you're not sure of what to do and how to handle it, mm. leave it to the wise professionals to take over. You know, Gareth, if you come to me and you said to me, Hanan, my car's having an issue. Can you come have a look? And I get to your car and it's just a petrol light that's on. Yeah. Then that's easy to fix. Sure. I know what that means. But suddenly when the engine is making a funny noise, 
the truth is if I tinker and start undoing the engine, I'm not a mechanic, I'm going to absolutely fuck it up. <laughs> so the truth is that when it comes to human connections, it's most of the time you can kind of add support and add love and add kindness, which is wonderful. Yeah. But don't tinker with something that you don't understand. And coming to eating disorders, eating disorders is a really, really complex issue. The, the basis of it is a lack of control. The mm -hmm. person feels not in control of their internal world, which makes them want to take control of their external world. And you can add love and you can add maybe a consistent environment, but it doesn't fix their internal world. Right. It might give them that immediate gratification, that immediate relief, knowing that you're there, but it doesn't fix that internal issue in the long run. So it's like, I guess, going to... Uh, them coming to you is like going to a drug addict and you give them that line of cocaine and they feel really good, but then that didn't fix the problem. So again, if you feel that it's within your wheelhouse and being kind is within your wheelhouse and being right. caring is within your wheelhouse and um, creating an environment that's a soft place to fall, go for it. But if it's within or outside of your comfort zone, leave it to the wise professionals to take over. Yeah, that's such good advice. Um, I think people think that they can solve everyone else's problems. They can't even solve their own in many situations. And I think it's interesting to take note of what you said before you started to, to explain the, the lack of control and the eating disorder thing, is that people don't even know how to manifest uh, this discomfort in their lives or this this issue, this this change, this uncertainty, this difficulty they're going through. Most people are uh, they, they just become moody or they just become, uh, you know, a little bit more erratic or they become uh, depressed and quiet. You, you don't really know um, until you ask them. And for some of us, like I'm not the kind of guy who wants to be solving anyone else's psychological problems. I would rather just pass them on to someone who actually knows how to deal with these things. Definitely. I mean, I'm not, uh, there's never going to be a moment where you, you come to me for emotional help. I'm, I, I think all my friends and family know that I'm not that guy. But I, I will be able to identify that something's not great. And then I can say yeah. to them, hey, you know what? There, there's someone you should be talking to. So how do you deal but with... But you know what, Gareth? Yeah. You know what? I, I want to add to that. The, you raise a great point, which is to fix a problem doesn't, make, doesn't mean making somebody feel better. No. So just because... And what I specifically mean by that, if somebody comes to you with an eating disorder, yes. if you give them a big hug, it makes them feel better. No question. Sure but it doesn't fix the problem. Absolutely. So just because you make somebody feel better doesn't mean you help them fix the underlying reason of why they're exhibiting the symptoms that they do. So just be careful of trying to make somebody feel better yeah. and assuming that, that you've helped them, which is wonderful. You should make people feel better. There's no question. Sure. But you should leave it to the professional to, to deal with the underlying issue that's causing these symptoms. And sometimes the exact opposite of making them feel better is what is required to make them break out of that problem, right? So sometimes absolutely, someone like you, who's the pro, you actually make them even more uncomfortable and you force them to face up to some things that they're trying to avoid, which is not pleasant. They're not going to enjoy that experience. They're not going to come out of it going, oh, that was wonderful. Maybe right at the end when you've actually solved some problems and opened up some areas of concern, then maybe they'll start. There's no feel. question. Yeah, but, but that's... There's that's, no question. Massively important, right? Because, you know, because without a little bit of, of difficulty, without without a challenge, without some um, some hard work, a lot of these problems they don't go away. And to just plaster over it and make people feel better is not going to do any good. So two things: number one, change doesn't happen within your comfort zone, 
And if you want to change some patterns, they don't happen when you're comfortable. They happen when you're uncomfortable. And to go from point A to point B requires going through what we call cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance happens when your brain goes, I'm not used to this. And it's literally a brand new environment, a brand new way of conducting myself in this world. To get to it, you've got to go through it, which means you can't get, you know, people say to me, can I, can I make the change without going through the cognitive dissonance, without making myself feel worse? Not on planet Earth. It just doesn't work that way. In order to feel better by changing your pattern, you've got to go, you've got to get to the other side through some really tough struggles. The other thing that I want to mention is that some psychological disorders um, are so complex and I've experienced this early on in my naive years where I saw a patient and I thought, I know how to deal with this. Mm. Meanwhile, I had no fucking clue. And what they do mm. is they, they make you leave the therapy and you feel like a doormat because they've taken your energy away. They've taken your control away mm. so they can feel better about themselves. And if you're not careful in terms of how to manage a complex psychological issue, you will leave feeling like you've been run over by a 10-ton truck Mm. While they're feeling amazing about themselves and repeating the cycle will leave you um They're like vampires. Sure. They, 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 yes. they, they suck you dry. And I see you were celebrating there where Hanan said to, to, to get through some uh, to, to what to get over something you have to go through it sometimes. Get through it. Yeah. So you were you were celebrating Absolutely. Is, is that like something that uh, Oprah would say? <laughs> <laughs> you have to no, have an Oprah moment so in any one of the audience. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Khanan, for that Oprah moment. But you're so right. And as well, you know, you one does have to manage their own emotions when trying to help people and trying to be the hero. Because at the end of the day, you can't give what you don't have. And that I learned, I would say, a little too late, according to my own timelines. But I'm glad I learned it. Nonetheless, it's like, actually, I need to manage myself first before I try to give anyone else anything. Yeah, yeah. you know, so true. you know, you know, what's the other thing is that uh, you can't give what you, you don't have. That's also a little bit of an Oprah moment. We must have these <laughs> Oprah sayings throughout. It's, it's inspirational. <laughs> but the truth is, though, even if you have that energy to give, you know, see, I can have all the energy I want. But if Gareth comes to me with his broken engine, doesn't matter what I've got. Like I cannot fix it. Mm. I cannot fix that engine if I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. So sure, self-love and self-care is incredible. It's very important and you should set boundaries with, with, with people because people will just take. You know, unconditional givers, oh, here's an Oprah moment. Unconditional givers attract unconditional takers. That's the truth. And if you don't set boundaries, you will, you'll be running dry. Mm. But it's not just having the energy, but certainly having the knowledge of what you're dealing with for uh, sure. I could see those people coming from a mile away. I shut the gates long before. There's no, there's no, uh, there's <laughs> no giving here unless it's absolutely someone I care about. I'm not going to do that for strangers. As you wanted to say another something? one, yeah, another one for Sia, and it's something my mom said recently um, on someone who was taking advantage of of their kindness. She mm. said, "Don't mistake my um, kindness for stupidity." Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And also yeah. I wanted to say, I, I think a, I have quite a good example of, um, you know, what, what might wrap this whole idea up from the email is 
Um, I had a family member who was um, struggling with addiction, and um, I certainly am not the, the perfect person to help someone through that. Um, however, I took it upon myself within limits to help this person. And when they weren't um, open to receiving the help, and that was me taking them to a professional in, in the car, um, you know, I had to pull away emotionally and say, if this person is not going to commit themselves, then there's nothing I can do. And it went even further to that where um, I unfortunately found the person um, had in their, in their apartment and they were deceased. And, you know, it just was so important for me to make that distinction between this is not because I didn't help or I couldn't help. Um, this is because they didn't want the help. So you right. really do have to almost, wow. you know, become, uh, put yourself outside of the situation as much as possible. Sure. Um, and really think about passing it on to somebody else to deal with because you need to preserve yourself in that, in that instance. For sure. You know, Leanne, it happens a lot where you know, somebody's asked us for help and we give them what we can and then they go and hurt themselves to a lesser or a greater degree. But and then we end up feeling guilty or the person that didn't do enough, enough in inverted commas, feels guilty. It's important to do the best that you can possibly do. You know, the great analogy that I use that at least helps me manage my life is that we wake up every morning and we've got a hundred units of energy mm-hmm. and use it as you wish. The moment, the moment those units are up, your body goes good night and you go to bed and you wake up the next morning with another hundred. The problem is when you run out of, run out of units of energy at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and your body's not tired, but now you're running at a deficit and then something has to give your mental yeah. health, your physical health, your resiliency, your ability to make choices and see opportunities. And you've got to be very stingy of where you spend those units of energy. I call them coins, where you spend those coins. You know, the, at the end of last year, I had somebody say to me, approach me and said to me, Hanan, you know, this COVID thing is a government made up hoax. They're trying to inject us with this and this and that and that. And my answer to this person was, cool, cool. Because I wasn't going to invest one unit of energy into that shitty conversation because that <laughs> unit of energy, <laughs> I, I couldn't invest into my kids. Those 20 units of energy, I can't invest into my wife. Those 20 units of energy, I can't invest into my physical well-being. Those 20 units, I can't invest into my mental health. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be very stingy. And that's what setting boundaries are, knowing what your limits are, not spending coins that you'd rather spend on something else. We think the, the great uh, asset or the great commodity is time. Time means nothing when you've got no more units of energy. I can spend two hours with my kids with zero units and achieve nothing. I can spend three hours with my wife with zero units and achieve nothing. I can be at the gym for an hour with zero units and achieve nothing. Mm-hmm. It's not the time that I have in the day. It's the energy that I have in spending and the quality that I put into those moments. So you've got to be very stingy with the coins. Dr. Hanan, would, would the same principles you gave us apply in, an, in a case that isn't as extreme as what Leanne laid out? So for a lot of us in romantic relationships or with close friends or close family as much as we we understand mental well-being and how sometimes you know the professionals need to take care of it there is also this level of 
I am here as your partner and I should be able to take care of you and I am everything that you need and the fact that I can't help you, you know, then I'm failing. And, you know, does that make sense? Where a lot of us want to be that person. We want to help. We want to make our partner's lives better. But, you know, we also have to accept that we can't be it all for them. You know, I, I see, I, I put a really cool Instagram. One of our great, I mean, one of my great joys in the morning is good looking through memes. Mm-hmm. I get to see everything I need to see about the world while looking at memes. Mm-hmm. And one of the great memes that I put on Instagram was these two puzzle pieces. You must check it out. These two puzzle pieces, mom and dad, two puzzle pieces go to their son. Have you found someone yet? But the mom and dad are just a perfect two puzzle pieces. And the son is a little bit like a mess up. Um, it's a little bit complex. And when you see that, it's actually quite interesting because we think that we can be everything for someone. Mm-hmm. We just slot into them. And what we have to understand is that different people give us different nutrients. The tap cannot give me food, period, period. The tap can give me water. <laughs> That's it. And if I expect, <laughs> if I expect food from a tap, I'm going to be disappointed. So the the great insecurity, it's a tap's fault. Exactly. Of course it's a tap's fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my kid's fault. It's my colleague's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's the government's fault. Mm -hmm. The truth is we have to realize that we cannot get everything from a person. And it's our own insecurity because what do you mean I can't be everything for you? What do you mean you have to go and see your friend? I've got to give you what your friends give you. I've got to give you what your psychologists give you. I've got to give you what your friends give you. And we've got, we got to understand that we are, we are limited in our resource and you've got to get something different from different people. Guys, I've got to call, mm. I've got to call this to an end because we're out of time and uh, Dr. Hanan's got a busy day of seeing patients. But this is how we start Mondays and you mm. don't want to miss uh, episodes of this going forward. It's going to be okay is what we're calling it. And Dr. Hanan Bushkin is uh, here to help us every Monday with this incredible new feature. He is, uh, of course, a renowned psychologist. He is the head of the Anxiety and Trauma, uh, anxiety and trauma Clinic in Johannesburg. And it's great to have you, Dr. Hanan. We want to talk about that savior complex that you were just about to get into there. Maybe next time we... Well, do it. No problem. Because that's a whole other kettle of fish we've got to unpack. Mm-hmm. So thank you Absolutely. very much. There we go. There's, Thanks, guys. There's Dr. Hanan Bushkin. Isn't that cool? Cliffcentral.com